Our gospel reading for today continues in Matthew 25. When he finally arrives, blazing in beauty and all his angels with him, the Son of Man will take his place on the glorious throne. Then all the nations will be arranged before him, and he will sort the people out, much as a shepherd sorts out sheep and goats, putting sheep to his right and goats to his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Enter, you who are blessed by my father. Take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready for you since the world's foundation, and here's why. I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was homeless, and you gave me a room. I was shivering, and you gave me clothes. I was sick, and you stopped to visit. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then those sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you? Then the king will say, I'm telling the truth. Whatever you did to one of the least of these, to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. Then he will turn to the goats, the ones on his left, and say, Get out, worthless goats. You're good for nothing but the fires of hell. And why? Because I was hungry and you gave me no meal. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was homeless and you gave me no bed. I was shivering and you gave me no clothes. Sick and in prison and you never visited. And those goats are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or homeless or shivering or sick or in prison and didn't help? He will answer them, I'm telling the truth. Whenever you failed to do one of these things to someone who was being overlooked or ignored, that was me. You failed to do it to me. Then those goats will be herded to their eternal doom, but the sheep to their eternal reward. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And so now, gracious God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts, together in this place and in all places, be found pleasing to you. O Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There's a great story by Leo Tolstoy about a man named Martin who is a shoemaker in a small village in Russia. One night in a dream, Martin hears Jesus' voice calling to him and he says, Martin, look out on the streets tomorrow because I'm coming to see you. Well, the next morning, Martin wakes up and is pretty sure that what happened in the night was just a dream, but he keeps a watchful eye out his window just in case it wasn't. He looks up and down the street that morning, but every time he looks outside, the only person he sees is an old man shoveling snow. So he begins his work for the day, but after a while, he looks out his window and sees that man leaning against a wall, shivering in the cold. So he immediately goes outside, invites the man to come in to have a warm cup of tea and to warm up by the fireplace. Well, the two of them visit for a while, the man leaves, and Martin gets back to work. 
And he continues to glance out the window from time to time, but everything appears to be business as usual. Until suddenly he hears the sound of a baby's cry. When he looks up, there is a young mother with a baby shivering right outside his window. Well, of course, Martin rushes outside and insists that the woman and her baby come inside to get warm. After a while, the baby falls asleep while he and her mom talk by the fire. He gets a coat for the mom and a blanket for the baby and again sends them on their way. After they leave, Martin gets back to work again. By this point, he is convinced that it really was a dream, and he tries to focus on getting his work done by the end of the day, until suddenly he hears a woman screaming outside, and so he immediately rushes outside to see what's going on. He discovers an older woman yelling at a young boy for stealing an apple from her basket. Without giving it a second thought, Martin reaches into his pocket and hands the woman some money for her apple and invites the boy to come inside for something more to eat. The two have dinner together, and then he sends the boy on his way, encouraging him not to steal from anyone again, but to come by his house instead the next time he really needs something to eat. Well, by that point, the day is done. Martin is frustrated that he is behind in his work, but he's more upset than he realized that Jesus never came to visit him. But when he falls asleep that night, he once again hears Jesus calling to him, and he says, Martin, Martin, I came to see you today. How much I enjoyed being your guest. Martin is puzzled. But Lord, he said, I watched for you in the street all day long, and you never came. What are you talking about? And suddenly, Martin's dream is filled with all the people he had encountered that day. The woman with the apples and the young boy, the mother and the baby, the man shoveling snow. And in that moment, Martin understands that Jesus had come to visit him that day after all. It's a beautiful story and a good illustration of today's text in Matthew's Gospel. When the king says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. For whenever you did this to one of the least of these, you did it to me. But if I can be honest for a moment, the story about Martin the shoemaker also feels just a bit naive. I mean, yes, of course, I love what Martin does throughout the day. It makes for a beautiful story. But how many of us would actually do what he does here? I mean, if you or I were alone at home, would we really invite a stranger to come inside and cozy up by the fire with us? Would we want our son or daughter to do the same it's not that I don't believe in this call to welcome the stranger and clothe the naked and feed the hungry. I believe in it with my whole heart. And I always want all of us to be engaged in this work together. It's just that in practice, this work is far more complex than we would like to admit. 
And we so struggle to do it and to do it well. No person or platform or political party has it figured out quite just right. And there are easy answers for what this work looks like in the year 2020. And yet, what do we do with this teaching of Jesus, one that is especially significant because it's actually Jesus' last teaching in Matthew's gospel. This is the very last thing Jesus teaches his disciples about before his death. Well, what's interesting to me about the story he shares is that both groups of people in the story, the sheep and the goats, completely miss out on seeing Jesus. There's actually some debate among scholars about who Jesus is referring to as the least of these, but whoever they are, they are not who the disciples expected them to be. After all, all of the people in the story, the sheep and the goats, stand in disbelief and say to the master the very same thing. Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? None of them expected the Lord to be present in a person or a situation like that. You may remember a movie that came out a few years ago called Captain Phillips, starring Tom Hanks. Captain Phillips is based on a true story from 2009 when a small group of Somali pirates came aboard the Mersic, Alabama, and took Captain Richard Phillips hostage during his ship's journey across the Indian Ocean. Now, I'm sure there were some fictional elements to it, but what made the movie so captivating to me was that I knew all these characters represented real people. The Somalian pirates who took over the ship weren't just fictitious villains in the story. They represented real teenagers. They kept telling Captain Phillips, we're just fishermen. And although it was a brief part of the movie, we were invited to see part of their story, too. They were kids living in the slum who were forced into capturing cargo for Somalian warlords who came to their village and threatened their lives and their families. They had no other choice here. There was this great line in the movie when Tom Hanks said to the head pirate, Abduwali, There has to be more to life than piracy and stealing boats. Why are you doing this? To which Abduwali responded to him ever so quietly, maybe in America, maybe in America. It was such a powerful moment in the movie because as much as I hated him for capturing Captain Phillips, in the same breath, I knew that he was forced into a way of life that seemed like the only way for him to survive. I loved that the directors of Captain Phillips didn't dehumanize the enemy. Instead of villainizing these Somalian pirates, this movie gives them a name face and a story. And it reminds me that one of the most harmful things you and I can do is to other, other people. 
whether the other person is a Somalian pirate or a person we pass on the side of the street or the cashier at the grocery store or that person we always disagree with who is posting the most ridiculous things on Facebook these days. It's so easy to other other people. It's just like when Scout and Jim are complaining about Boo Radley and To Kill a Mockingbird. They've actually never met him. Boo is this mysterious, scary figure to them. And so they have all these stories that they tell about him. According to Jim, Boo is approximately six and a half feet tall with blood-stained hands from eating raw squirrels and cats. Jim also mentions that Boo has unsettling yellow eyes and these long, jagged scar across his face. And then Jim tells Scout and Dill that Boo has rotten teeth and drools often. But in one of the best lines of the book, actually maybe one of my favorite lines in literature, Attica says to them, you never really understand a person until you consider things from their point of view until you climb up in their skin and walk around in it. Captain Phillips invites us to really see the stranger. Atticus invites us to see ourselves in the stranger. But Jesus takes this a step further and invites us to see God in the stranger. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Friends, I can't help but wonder if part of the reason why we struggle to live up to this calling that Jesus gives us in Matthew 25 isn't as much about the complexities of this work as it is that we have completely missed seeing God in one another that we somehow continually miss seeing the imprint of God stamped on every human forehead. Interestingly enough, I might argue that this is something even the king misses in this parable when he draws a line between the sheep and the goats. Because the very question the parable asks us is how we might go about our lives differently so that we don't draw lines in the sand between these kinds of people and those kinds of people, but that we might see all people, particularly those called the least of these, as absolutely beloved children of God. Today marks the end of our liturgical year. Next Sunday, we will begin the journey of Advent together, which I know is hard to believe. And in many ways, I believe this text actually helps to set the table for what is to come. As seminary professor Beverly Zink Sawyer points out, What could be more surprising than a God who comes to dwell with us in the form of a poor, helpless child born in obscurity to peasant parents? Indeed, our God came to us as one of the least of these, and God still does. And so may we have eyes to see how God is walking this earth all around us these days, 
even as we begin the Advent journey of watching and waiting and hoping and praying for God to come. Because we just never know where or how or in whom God might show up next. Amen.